Hello and welcome to episode 52 of We Have Such Films to Show You. Uh, this episode we are watching, uh, gosh, what is it? Thinner. 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 Or as, is this as the first Stephen? Thinner. Yeah, is, this, is this the first Stephen King movie we did? It might be. It might be. And if so, that's kind of a shame because this is not a very good Stephen King movie. Really? I, I, I thought it was better than it had any right to be. And I feel like I say that a lot. And I feel like basically anything that's better than the last two Prophecy movies <laughs> is somehow just inherently watchable. That is um, – it's, it's a low bar. It's a low it bar. It is a is low problem. bar. Thanks, podcast. Yeah. Um, I mean, I realize we did it to ourselves, but still. Uh, I, I thought this movie was dumb as hell, but it was very watchable. Um, and Fat Tony was in it. Fat Tony from The Simpsons. Uh, oh, right, right. That's Joe uh, Mantega. Yeah, Mantena? Yeah, uh, that that was Fat Tony. I forgot that it was him who did Fat Tony. Uh, yes, well, and he he he's in it as a mob goon. So you know, same difference. Yeah. Uh, Richie he, the Hammer. He does he does a good mob goon. He was he was probably my favorite part of the film, just because like I yeah. liked his character as it was actually portrayed. So let's. Was, I think he was the most likable person in the. Yeah, movie. I know. That's this is this is this is one of those films where it's like, and I don't think anybody in the film was particularly supposed to be likable, but still, like there was, there was no redeeming human beings in this film, as far as I could tell. Like, like the best you could say is all the various gypsy folk who uh, didn't do anything wrong, but also didn't have any presence. Um, I guess maybe Carrie Wurr's character, the the gypsy granddaughter. Now here's the here's the here's the goddamn thing with this movie. This is a this is a we can't not end up saying gypsy like a hundred yeah, fucking times. Yeah, I was wondering about that myself because uh, like, uh, and that bugs me because I don't. <laughs> but th- 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 that is that is a big thing about this film. This film has. I, I I feel like this film has they, they a don't lot resemble, of problems. Like real life, like Roma people in any way, they are like the complete, like completely like fictional kind of gypsies that you just get passed down in like rumor. They yeah, this is this no, is a this is a movie that involves a bunch of gypsies, as in the people that Stephen King wrote into a novel while on coke in 1984. Like like that uh, level. I, of, I think you mean Richard Bachman. Ah, uh, see, that's yeah, okay. The, the, I'm more interested in like the backstory of the narrative path <laughs> that this took on its way to being a film than I am in the film I actually watched. I guess is part of what it comes down to. So, so yeah, thinner. This th- this film is is technically Stephen King's thinner, and it's made in '96, which I had assumed this had been made earlier and closer to when it came out, but '96 apparently. Um, yeah, I I remember like. For some reason, the ad campaign for this movie, I, I must have been in sixth grade, I guess, really, really stuck with me, which was, like, the only reason that I, um, you know, it was one of those horror movies that I'd, like, I, I would not go out of my way to see, but I was always, like, kind of interested in for some reason. I don't remember why. I still don't remember why, but, um, yeah. Had, yeah. You, had you seen this, or was this just... No, no, I've uh, never seen okay. this. I'd only seen the commercials for it many, many times, because they were, oh, this was a very, very, uh intensely advertised movie when it was i knew this movie existed in a in an abstract sort of way and that was it like i I knew nothing about it i i I don't recognize the 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 album cover i don't recognize the the the, you know the the movie poster the video cover uh i didn't know anything about the film i'd certainly never seen any trailers that i can recall so i really went in totally blind on this i haven't even read the book and i've read a lot of stephen king but this one i hadn't read uh so it was really from a, a from scratch experience for me and i don't think 
it benefited in any way from that. Like this was not a movie where oh, I'm, I'm sure glad I didn't uh, know what I was getting into because it's a very oh, Stephen King. Shining. Oh well, yeah. I, I think we can. I think we can call that like half points. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it it yeah, benefited from not... being the least Stephen King Stephen King adaptation ever. Um, we should we should maybe talk about other good Stephen King movies to do sometime though, because there there's there's some decent stuff out there. It'd be I interesting to talk about. Meet up and somebody suggested that we do uh, it Stephen King's wow. it. I'd be up for that. That'd be that that'd be a very special episode. But uh, I, I'd be up for giving it a shot. Giving yeah. it a shot. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe not for the next episode because I don't know if I can do two Stephen Kings in a yeah. row. But no, yeah, no, but yeah, maybe maybe next year we'll do that. That could yeah. be fun. Mm-hmm. Everybody could just saw, we can just I sit around saying we all float down here, Billy, for two hours. See, we, we we can have such a conversation just about being scared of it or not. Like, yes, we should do it sometime. Let's yeah. be it so resolved. Uh, but for now, we're stuck with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's funny. I think we talked about you, you brought up the the idea that's just off the top of your head uh, a couple weeks ago when we were figuring out what we should watch next, and. Uh, and the conversation immediately somehow turned to a discussion of uh, Running Man. Yeah. And the thing is, the Running Man is not – like this is all – whatever else you want to say, this is absolutely a horror film. This is absolutely a horror film based on a horror story by Stephen King. And the Running Man is a big, dumb Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, goofy spectacle uh, based loosely on a horror story by Stephen King. Uh, so it would be like totally inappropriate as a choice for this podcast if we're thinking about like genre thematic you know relevance. Uh, but I feel like we would have had more to say about it than <laughs> about we might end up man? having to say about this. Uh, we certainly had like a five minute argument about it, uh, like over email and Twitter. Uh, well, that's because you know your your opinion of it is incorrect. <laughs> it wasn't as much an argument as me just trying to show you that you were wrong about the movie and <laughs> right, objectively. Right. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, so I think we'll probably come back around to this, but, uh, for now, I guess we can talk about this movie a little bit. So thinner, uh, yeah, the backstory on this for people who aren't Stephen King nerds is Stephen King got really big in the seventies, uh, blew up into a very famous horror thriller author, uh, was making, he was, you know, he was Stephen King by then. Like he'd gone from being a guy who was writing in his spare time as a, you know, English teacher living out of a trailer with his wife to being fucking Stephen King in a relatively short amount of time. Where uh, his name is bigger on the cover of the uh, book than the title is. Exactly, yeah. Uh, like people are just buying it because, oh, it's the new Stephen King. And so he ended up having, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, crisis of creative integrity or whatever as a result of that. And so he published uh, four books under a pseudonym. Uh, Richard Bachman, and it was like, you know, the whole thing was like, well, I'll just publish this stuff as, you know, uh, which is kind of a, it's kind of a funky thing. Anyway, I'd be curious to read more of the backstory of how that whole arc went. But the thing is, if you're a super famous author and you're writing under a pseudonym, you probably kind of have some connections that are working even for your pseudonym in a way that invalidates somewhat the experiment of, can I, I thought, get away with this on my own? I thought the only reason that, that Richard Bachman existed was because the publishing house refused to uh, publish as many books as King was like actually pumping out. I find that utterly unbelievable. <laughs> 
He was he was selling a lot of books. I can't imagine a publishing house saying, you know what, we shouldn't publish more of your books and make a ton more money because I don't know. I don't like I don't like making bucket loads of cash. Let's make half as many bucket loads. Uh, but that, I don't know. That, that it looks could be like uh, I could be Wikipedia wrong. is uh, backing you up. At the be- yeah, at the beginning of Stephen King's career, the general view among publishers was that an author was limited to one book per year since publishing more would be unacceptable to the public. King therefore wanted to write under another name in order to increase his publication without oversaturating the market for the King quote brand end quote. Interesting. He convinced his publisher Signet Books to print these novels under a pseudonym. I, I stand uh, probably corrected. Um, in any case, so he's writing in a Richard Bachman. Yep. And it's a secret for a while, and then sometime after Thinner, I think it was the fourth book came out, uh, someone outed him. Uh, you know, by some means or another, yeah. you know, possibly contrived it in its own right. But anyway, so so these were the Bachman books, and they were like different from Stephen King, and was trying to write in a slightly different voice, and and uh, and then yeah, and then years later, this is like it's well known that Richard Bachman was actually Stephen King, so all the Richard Bachman stuff just becomes Stephen King stuff at this point. And now we have Stephen King's Thinner, when this is like in theory sort of a Bachman book. And the thing about the Bachman books was they were shorter and a little bit like maybe meaner than his. Normal Stephen King branded stuff, yeah, like 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 a little bit, uh, uh, you know, King has this habit of being sort of like there's a weird mix of like his horror stuff, like 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 the definite horror angle that drives a whole lot of his work, but also this sort of small towniness and a certain amount of. Uh, you know, like nostalgia, Americana, sort of a sense of like you know inhabiting the places people are that that plays into his work too. Um, you know, there's there's there, there's a kind of fondness, and so the argument could be that like the Bachman book sort of took a lot of that and said, not so much. Let's stop, you know, reveling so much in sort of the redemptive nature of you know humanity and the small town and whatnot, and get right down to the nasty stuff. And I don't know how I don't know how true that really is, but that was definitely a narrative that I uh, ex- uh, encountered at some point. Possibly Stephen King himself talking a little bit about it somewhere. Um, so maybe the ideas like the Bachman books are sort of like, you know, a little bit more rough and, and, and mean and just getting right down to it. Um, and then, so this movie, this movie we're watching thinner is based on one of the Bachman books. And all this is to say that my experience watching the movie was trying to think about what the book was like and assuming the book was better, the ways in which the movie was getting it wrong on a book I haven't read. And so I couldn't be really more full of shit in my analysis of like the comparison between the film and the book in this case. And we both know that I'm willing to be very full of shit about stuff. Uh, but it feels like it, the, the movie does feel like someone didn't really know how to make a Stephen King book work on screen very well. Um, yeah. So do you know the story of uh, how um – Stanley Kubrick uh, recorded all of George C. Scott's stuff for Dr. Strangelove? No. So on the set, uh, Stanley Kubrick was like, all right, George, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to shoot one take where I want you to just like really just like chew the fucking scenery, you know, just like really overact. It doesn't have to be good. We're just going to get that take out of the way. Then we're going to shoot the regular take. George Scott is like, all right, you know, whatever. And they do it. And then Kubrick used all of like that first take footage. (laughs) Uh, George C. Scott never talked to him again as far as I remember. (laughs) That's a shame. It was great. 
Yeah, and I I think that's how this movie was shot as well, except they probably didn't even bother with the follow-up, because, like, everybody is overacting in this. It's yeah. It's like Autumn's, Adam's family, like, level of, you know, just, like, really hamming it up. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's no withdrawn subtlety in any of the portrayals, I wouldn't say. Like, like, like I, again, Joe Mantegna, Ma, Ma, Mantegna, Mantegna? Him, Joe, Joey, yeah, the Hammer, Fat Tony, uh, Fat Tony. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like he does the best there, and it's maybe partly because he's used to like playing sort of a little bit on the edge of uh, over the top, but as a sort of like you know uh, angry, dangerous mafioso that like that sort of fits into that territory well. So he was just like giving really solid takes of a slightly goofy character, and everybody else, yeah, kind of feels like they were given, like you say, over the top takes of characters who weren't necessarily. Supposed to be over the top. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there there was no reason for like the mob doctor to be like a creepy Vincent Price type <laughs> character, and yet he was. And like there was no reason that um, you know the real estate agent who's like on the screen for what two minutes is also he's got like real weird hair and he's acting real weird. Yep. Um, and that that was like it for everybody. Like every, it's the movie structured for. I'm gonna say at least like the second. The movie takes like a really weird turn in the third act and becomes like a revenge slash action movie, which was really uh, unexpected. I don't know. Did you see that coming? No, no. I I, I, I never knew exactly where this film was gonna go. Uh, I don't think every this film did either. Yeah, and like yeah, don't. That's not. Sometimes that's a compliment. This is not a compliment. This is. It was. It seemed a film that just had a bunch of pieces and wanted to put them together. And I, part of it is, I suspect again, you know, based on my thorough non-reading of the story, <laughs> that this may just be a relatively straightforward adaptation of sort of the plot movement of the story, uh, in a way that would probably work a lot better on paper, a little bit unmoored from the need for like you know an actual visual cinematic narrative thread. Uh, I could see that. Yeah, because like it, it, it does it, it. It it moves in weird fits and starts, and it it swerves. I'm not sure hard how much a time times. passes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not clear at all. Like this movie could have taken place over the course of you know uh, two months or like three days. Yeah, I, I, there, I, there's really no way to tell. There, there are occasional references to temporality, but like when you have to manage the sense of how time is passing in a film based on things people say in passing about how time is passing, that's yeah. not a real good sign. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's it's a you bit mean, of you a, know what this film played a lot like a really well budgeted episode of like the '90s Outer Limits. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's like it, it, I almost wanted to say Twilight Zone, but it's not even. It doesn't have the Twilight Zone feel quite. But yeah, it's like a long episode of Outer Limits where they they got a lot of extra budget and they got some extra time, but they didn't get any extra writing. Like you know, they didn't. Yeah, like, and they then didn't... they got those same like Outer Limits actors who are <laughs> good enough to be in an anthology TV show, but that's about it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a yeah it's a weird it's a weird film. Uh, they spent eight and a half million dollars in this, which is not a ton, but it's also not nothing. On what? I don't know. I mean, this ninety six the gunfight maybe. No, presumably on the makeup to some extent, and and well, it, okay. So here's here's the thing. Nineteen ninety six. This film was made. If this w- film was made today for the same amount of money. You know, with the same overall like quality and whatnot, I think the difference is there would have been really pretty solid CGI effects for the emaciated 
uh, period of the film. Yeah, they um, they did a weird job on the effects on him in this. To the extent that I can't tell if they decided to stylize the entire movie so intensely just to make the like special effects on him also look stylized instead of just poorly executed. I, I think, you know, it, it's... <sighs> So, so we, we've got we've got a few different stages of the effects on this yeah, guy, so and the, it's all the, practical the very start, Yeah, yeah, it's all practical. The, the very start is that he is three hundred pounds, right? Um, and yeah, and so he's I guess he's wearing a fat suit, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, they they've sort of like given him like a double chin and big cheeks, but it's really clearly wearing. Makeup, though. Yeah, there's no question it's a guy wearing a fat suit. And, you know, what do you do? You, you, got, you can do as well as you can do on effects. It's not like, you yeah. know, Big Mama looked like, oh, that's really some large one. No, you know it's Martin Lawrence in a uh, fat suit. Um, that was Martin Lawrence, right? Um, I don't <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> we don't need to think about Big Mama too much. Uh, I guess the, then you had the Eddie Murphy side of it, too, uh, which was, I guess, a slightly, you know, more refined approach. But still, you know, a fat suit looks like a fat suit. You don't get the same look from someone who actually just has a natural, uh, okay-looking, you know, human fat face as you get from weird fat suit makeup put on someone who's thinner because, hey, the title of the movie and the podcast, um, someone who is thinner but needs to be fat for a portion of the role. And it would probably be unhealthy to have someone actually gain 100 pounds and then lose 150 pounds. Uh, so, you know, Christian you do, Bale did it the other way. Yeah, well, and... Uh, First he lost the weight and then he gained it back for Batman. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because he, he, yeah, he went down to like 120-ish pounds. And he's, he's, I think he's a big guy, too. So he, for uh, the machinist, and then... Oh, I thought, did, you meant, but, I thought you meant just for Batman. I was like, I don't remember the part where he was horribly emaciated in Batman. No, 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 no. <laughs> he did it for the machinist, yeah, right. and then... Um, then bulked back And then he and, did Batman right afterwards, and for Batman, he had to bulk up to be, you know, Batman. Yeah. So yeah, I think he gained uh, about 100-plus pounds of muscle for that. Yeah. Um, uh, Anyway, so yeah, they just did it with makeup on this, which makes sense because that's a whole lot more practical. But as a result, everything – like at no point in the film did you not look at this guy, uh, Robert John Burke, who played lawyer Billy Halleck. At no point do you look at him and say, oh, yeah, he doesn't have some sort of makeup on to reflect his – like, and, and that's actually kind of a good thing. I, I was pleased that there was not just a magical, oh, you look great moment where he didn't have at least sort of like some makeup effects doing yeah, uh, sort yeah. of that. Because if you lost a bunch of weight reflux, you'd have a your skin doesn't just magically tighten up, you know. Yeah, you would have, you know, sort of. If anything, it was a little too subtle, but like still, they they had the idea of sort of sagging loose skin, even when he was at uh, more or less yeah, his actual body did, weight. And I think they did a really good job on the fact that um, so for a bunch of it, like he, so there's a scene where he goes to get new clothes because he's losing weight and like he's momentarily happy about it because that's what he wanted and the curse part like hadn't set in yet and he hadn't realized it. But he's losing weight so quickly that at no point in the movie are clothes sitting right on him. Yes, I and like he's always that a like lot. doing like the David Byrne big suit thing, <laughs> and also the actor like he's not a particularly good actor, but he's was really good at making it look like he was un comfortable in his own body yeah um and so you know he's always just sort of like he, he's he's walking around like he's like a bigger guy or you know he's just like and then he just like starts breaking down um and i think like he did a really good job like physically representing a guy going through like a really intense and unpleasant body change yeah no that that worked fairly well and 
it's interesting like that bit uh, and i really liked the costuming in that sense which is funny because like i realized the costuming in this case is just like literally fitting the wrong size clothes on someone but still it's such it is sort of like striking an effect like the whole movie he's like wandering around like some kid who borrowed his dad's coat um so yeah i, I did like that and, and yeah i agree that the guy physically did a did a good job with the thing it's it's hard to even give anybody a specifically well it's not too hard but still hard to give anybody too hard of a time about the acting this because it really feels like a movie that must have been directed like a weird soap opera like you yeah know, like this is not this cannot just be the director saying well i'm really looking for this and not getting it because the entire cast is doing the same stuff like you know you want to say there was one person who actually, you know, was relatively understated in their role in this film, and it was Stephen King. And when Stephen King gives the most <laughs> understated performance in your film, like, you know, or, or to put it another way, this is a film that has a good solid minute of, like, screen time and speaking role for Stephen King and does not particularly suffer for it. That's the state the film was already in. You know, usually I would say if you're going to put Stephen King in your movie – that's gonna be like that. Everybody rolls their eyes at the walk-on cameras. It's cute because hey, it's Stephen King. Oh, he's, but uh, let's go back to people who can act. But I was like, I wasn't really seeing no, that court scene. Not. Thinking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that court scene not was not convincing. You know, I took a bunch of notes on this last night, and I haven't even pulled them up because I'm not sure if I need to. Maybe I'll pull them up just to glance at. But uh, I remember making a note that this this court scene does not seem uh, particularly, uh, you know, procedurally. Uh, faithful no it it like I, and i can't tell if that's because like that was supposed to be the quality the amount of effort the characters were putting into this cover-up for uh you know of basically the hit and run oh but not a, even that one the, the earlier the one where he's like oh. getting off the hammer uh, oh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know what the hell was going on there. Yeah. I think like everybody had decided what the results was and were just going through the motions, but on the other hand, that was a surprise witness. Yeah, that's the thing. Like like there's a there's a degree of cronyism here that like becomes clearer later with the inquest that gets floated yeah. right through, but still, like even with the judge knowing uh Billy and and them being in relative legal cahoots we're still it's one of those it's one of those scenes where it's presented like we're going to see just how ruthless and badass and on the ball this fucking lawyer guy is you know and if it had been some really ruthless badass on the ball lawyering that would have been something but instead it was just yeah. like this goofy cornball oh well now i do the thing where you find out i'm a good lawyer and now the thing happens and whoa you really did it buddy you've got mafia ties you know it's like it just feels so fucking ridiculous and that i kind of feel like Again, maybe that's just a too literal adaptation of Stephen King's own writing because I think we may have talked about this in in the Shining episode a bit. Uh, you know, I don't feel like Stephen King is one of those people who has a really great grasp of switching styles, like like switching to writing newspaper copy or newsroom copy or whatnot. It's not something I've ever read that in a Stephen King book and thought, "Wow, this guy's really got the knack of this down." I'm like, no, this is somebody who isn't a court lawyer. <laughs> You know, writing some court lawyery stuff, and that's fine. You know, if you're just telling a story, you plod through that bit, you get it done. But this felt the same way. This, this felt like a court scene written by, like, you know, a twelve year old who'd watched some courtroom dramas. <laughs> you know, and a couple of episodes of Night Court. Yeah. So, so as setting the tone for the whole film, it was not. It was not a good sign, and it was. It turns out a fairly accurate sign. As far yeah, as I'm that glad goes. there was not more lawyering in this. Yeah, uh, what what little there was was painful. Yeah. Uh, but the scene in the yacht was great, where uh, you know Fat Tony makes it super clear that he owes him a favor. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that would come to pay off in the you know later in the film? 
That's why they call him Tony Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, the whole film just feels so. It, it felt so obvious at all times, and that's. And then it just kept. But the thing is, like, it did feel obvious, and then it just kept going to like weirder and weirder places. A bunch of dogs get poisoned. Yeah, that just was sad. Just yeah, it's like oh, now let's do some fucking dog poisoning now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they they get into like um, what do, what do you call it? Uh, what's his name? Wallace. 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 Uh, yeah, Wallace and um, the uh, what, uh, the other guy, Taddy uh, Lemke, Tadzu Lemke. Yes, the, and get yes. into like a a a curse fight <laughs> where you know he wants them to take the curse off, and um, the uh, Gina, the 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 granddaughter. Yeah. Um, well, what happens is like uh, he he goes to he he finds their encamp like their latest encampment after Fat Tony bribes a male prostitute. Or, I guess, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I guess, yeah. And whose and, name, by the way, is Frank kind of, Spurton? Yeah, Frank and it's Spurton. not spelled Frank Spurton, <laughs> but but it's it should be like Pronounced I I didn't it. know what was going on here yet, and I was like, oh, that's his porn name, Frank Spurton. I was like, no, no, that's his name. That's his actual and also, name. Uh, Fat Tony also flirts with him a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, just like just just enough to be like, yeah, I'm cool. Um, and then, so yeah, so uh, Wallace tracks down their encampment, and uh, Lemke is just like, no, I'll never take it off. I'll make it worse. And um, you know, he he makes like a couple of motions, and then clenches his fist, and like blood starts pouring out. Yeah. Um, like clear, it was supposed to be like in a supernatural way, but it's I not. Guess. Yeah, it's, yeah. So that 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 little scene, yeah. So he's like, uh, "Get out, or I'll make it worse. I'll make it so much worse that you thought the first one was a blessing." And then he does yeah. the fist thing, and I don't know if the implication is he's in the act of making it worse, or just showing what it'll look like when he makes it worse if you don't leave. Because if he was like, "Get out of here, or I'll do X," and then you just do X anyway, all else aside, that's kind of an asshole move. That's not how yeah. bargaining works. Uh, yeah. But but I I don't know. It's, yeah. it's not clear to me whether he actually did make it worse or not because the film never does a oh wow this is getting so much worse thing. Uh, I feel like they were just setting that up so that the later scene with the pie would have like a visual resonance to something we'd already seen, so it wouldn't need exposition yeah. during it. Could but be. The, but it's like it uh, that is that is the weird soggy nature of of much of the yeah. storytelling in this film. Um, when, yeah. when people aren't scenery chewingly explaining what's going on or what isn't going on, can I say this is a movie about a gypsy curse? And uh, like the least interesting thing you can have you do your characters do in a story where we've already established that we're going to have a gypsy curse and we're going to refer to something as a gypsy curse is then have every fucking character in the film take their turn saying oh there's no such thing as a gypsy curse it's like it's not a movie called you know <laughs> do people believe there's a gypsy curse you know it's it's either i, uh, it's like I mean it's right- also a movie where like you know the 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 you know traveling uh family of you know, very specifically, like, Gypsies shows up in this, like, New England town, and everybody already has, like, a really shitty uh, opinion of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I- in a way that you generally don't associate with Americans, I don't think. Like, you know, in in, in Europe, like, there's a lot of, like, you know, just, like, cultural, uh, like, real 
like a cultural animus for like you know travelers in Roma and, and so on, but you don't get that as much in America and like probably not in New England where they came into like this situation. It was and like everybody just had this like in like you know instinctive like xenophobia and hate for yeah them. The, yeah there, there were some people who were just like super duper racist against yeah. the gypsies in in this in a way that yeah it did seem like like I understand like, like does that everybody often in this town yeah or? Er, yeah it's like yeah you know we have this a lot in 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 Connecticut or New Hampshire or whatever the hell it was <laughs> yeah it was it was weirdly overt like they like again like just so much scenery got chewed even even when even when quietly and with mouth closed uh, yeah. yeah so it's the thing about this film for me is all the weird stuff because we, we've 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 touched clearly on how weird the like you know overt like let's both sort of mythologize gypsies and then also be super shitty to and about them uh, and the 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 few who actually have a speaking role don't really serve the whole thing any better. It's not like there's this xenophobia, but then in reality they're misunderstood whatnot. Carrie Worse is like sort of plays a crazy woman and 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 the old grandpa you know great grandpa lempke comes off as like a a weird crazy jerk too and it's all very exoticized and he's you definitely know, chaotic evil yeah like you know it's like it's not it's not like there's any sort of like redemptive angle on on yeah all the racist townspeople turn out to be right which is just not a good look for a movie yeah yeah <laughs> um Oh yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So yeah, so in when he was trying to like you know beg uh, Lemke to take the curse off, uh, Gina fires a like a ball bearing through with with a uh, what do you call it with a slingshot like yeah. directly through his hand and like yeah. and you know I think the movie did like it 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 was definitely like um it, it reminded me of you know stuff like. Uh, I mean, Death Becomes Her a little bit, where he had just, like, this really bizarre, grievous injury that wasn't slowing him down. Because, yeah. like, you know, the next scene is, like, he, I think the mob doc, he, he, oh, no, he's talking with Fat Tony to try to get, like, a mob doctor to come see him, because he can't go to a regular doctor. Um, and then, you know, he sort of, like, pull, puts his arm up in front of his face, and then you can see his eye through the hole in his hand. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, but, you know, before that, when he, like, just, that happens, and they had started referring to him as the white man from town. Yeah. Um, which was, uh, you know, she, like, you know, she, uh, all the, all my subtitles actually attributed, you know, what they were speaking to Romanes, so, I mean, maybe they, those, well, a lot of those people were Roma uh, but, um, yeah, and, and then Lemke translates, you know, what Gina yells at him to, you know, she calls you the white man from town as if it's like, you know, a very grievous insult, which it, uh, yeah, the movie does not do a good job of like that part either. But then he, uh, he's just like, oh yeah, well, uh, I curse you. I give you the curse of the white man from town. <laughs> and then everybody laughs, but then like his blood comes out and yeah. they well, get yeah, like he, a little spooked. Yeah, he comes right back with yeah. the, the fistful of blood thing right there. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, um, it's... <sighs> and then the movie turns into like, and then at, at this point he is almost completely incapacitated. Yeah. Uh, cause his body is like completely failing him. So fat Tony takes over and he likes, you know, he goes over there and he like starts doing like some commando, like green beret shit. Like he poisons the dogs and leaves signs. And then he, Does uh, the Scarface shit with a AK-47 yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. He just, yeah. He just like riddles like the entire encampment with like his, um, magical 300 round machine gun. 
Yeah, and then they all shoot back. Like, there's there's an honest-to-goodness gunfight in this movie. And then he kidnaps, like, Gina's husband, who is, you know, Lemke's son, uh, like, great-grandson-in-law. And then he, like, releases them, him on them, but then they all shoot him because they think it's 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 Fat Tony. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that, that takes up, like, a solid 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird sidetrack for it to take tonally. It just really gets away from the story itself. In, again, in a way, maybe this is something that in the book just sort of clicked. Like, because I feel like you can sort of have that sort of because oh Halleck his name's Halleck yeah Halleck is out of the movie for a solid twenty minutes yeah he's just sort of yeah dying I guess yeah um, and then the pie and then the pie so yeah this so the the resolution is this I I, I guess basically old man Lemke cries uncle and he says okay I'll meet you. And we'll solve this. I'll take the curse off you. And then he you explains. You terrorized my family yes. enough. <laughs> All right. I, now I respect you. Uh, yes. You know. Uh, so he, he, he comes out and they have uh, Halleck, our, our, our large and then not large man, uh, bleed into the pie. And, and the old guy explains that you, know, you can't actually get rid of the curse. You can just transfer it. So suddenly we're watching The Ring. Uh, and the pie moves. The pie, oh, it's it's a Cronenbergy little. Yeah, after he he and he doesn't like you know prick his finger and bleed on the pie. Uh, Lemke like shoves a knife through the hole in his hand from the ball bearing, yeah. and like blood gushes out of the pie, and then the pie starts moving like it's in the thing. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's 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 a weird little out of nowhere gross effect that like has no place really in this film particularly. But uh, this is the film it was in, so okay. Yeah. Uh, pie the film had like a lot of. You, you wouldn't expect this film to be like a big special effects movie, and it wasn't. But like, there were like a bunch of very, very explicit special effects shots in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The pie, so the like pie. gurgling and like moving of its own accord, was like a. I, I like that detail. Yeah. No, that was. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the pie for its own sake. Pie gets the. Yeah. Gets the MVP uh, from the cast of this film, um, and then yeah, the ironic twist. So 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 Halleck takes the pie home. He comes home, uh, and he oh, finds I mean, it. D- 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 there there's a ongoing subplot in this movie that he is mad at his wife because he is being cuckolded by his doctor. Yes, I think that's that's an important part of the whole pie thing. That his the doctor movie also is, just sort of throws in there. Yeah. His doctor is also a member of the local old boys legal club slash golf enthusiasts group. Yeah, there's just like a a white man who run the town club in this town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they all golf and then shower naked together afterwards. Uh, which maybe that's a thing people do after golfing. I I don't know. I like you can certainly work up a sweat golfing if it's sunny out. I guess, but anyway. Uh, Yes, so he comes home with a pie, and the thought is he's going to kill his wife by feeding her the pie and causing the curse to switch to her. And uh, he takes pains to make sure his daughter uh, spends the night somewhere else to not witness any of this. And so, of course, the daughter ends up having eaten some of the pie, too, although I don't totally understand how this works because his wife wakes up dead next to him. After having eaten pie the night before, like she is, she is a weird, desiccated, gross corpse. Uh, and his daughter, who ate presumably the same amount of pie at the same time, looks well, perfectly no, she happy. Said she had some pie for breakfast. No, no, they ate. I, did she? 
She specifically said she had some of that pie for breakfast. Breakfast pie, but did she have it for breakfast? I I thought she and her mom sat around eating pie together was the implication. Maybe her mom – I mean I Maybe they suddenly – This is dumb, but I think (laughs) what happened was that her mom was eating pie. The daughter came home. The daughter didn't take any pie. They talked, had a good talk, got back on good terms – Daughter went to bed. bed. In daughter the got morning, the, morning, the ate daughter some ate some pie okay. for breakfast, leaving I will, her alive. I will accept that explanation as stupid as the whole thing is, as at least, okay, I can accept that that sort of works. Uh, but that it requires that explanation <laughs> to work is, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 then, and then he realizes his daughter's eating the pie and he's accidentally you know, killed his perfectly innocent daughter rather than his terrible whore wife and so he's going to eat some pie to kill himself and i think that's maybe how the book actually ends based on just a reading of a synopsis i think yeah. maybe he like he eats some pie but but you know we gotta have a twist so the doorbell rings and there's the doctor who cuckolded him or acting very suspicious they yes. never actually confirm that yeah yeah what, what, what these two actually weren't even having an affair you know it's hard to say I think the implication is they were, but at the same time, the film doesn't go there. But the film doesn't seem like the kind of film that's interested in really actively exploring the question of doubt. You know, that's the thing. Like, the rest of the film isn't like, but is it true about anything? Everything that's true is really obviously true. I I feel like maybe it's it's the other way, and the movie is being like, the the movie is like, um, ambiguous on this just because he wants to leave you with the impression that he may have killed these people for no reason and that he is like you know the whole movie was started off by like a, really a completely accidental death that was caused by him but it, there wasn't any malice in it yeah, but it's just then a, toward a, the he, end of the movie he has actively murdered th- well he's murdered two people and caused the death of one Yes, uh, it, and you know, indirectly the death of a couple others. Yeah, and Parp and probably kills himself, but he definitely wasn't intending to kill himself until he realized that his daughter was going to die. Yeah, so he was just going to have murdered his yeah. wife, and then they would discover her horribly weird corpse up in bed, and you know, it's like and oh he no, made out, I, I like that he made out with like the hideous corpse. I wasn't. Oh, see, yeah, yeah, that was. Here's the thing. If you have just gone to great pains to feed poison pie to your wife who you want to murder uh, and it involves transferring a curse off of her and to you by getting her to eat the poison thing that contains your curse and then you make out with her a little bit and can taste the thing she ate, haven't you already kind of fucked it up? Like at that point, you kind of just ate a little bit of the poison thing that you just fed her to – I, I think there's a threshold to the amount of it you have to eat for the curse to work. Why Why because, do you think that exactly? Because otherwise, every single atom of the pie structure would be cursed, and anything that was let loose into the air would immediately like start killing people oh, so left if it just, and right. As, as particles naturally aerosolize a little bit, like people would just be slowly getting... I, yeah. I accept that. At the same time, I'm not sure the, where we should put the threshold. I, I, feel I like mean, he clearly had just enough to, like, taste the flavor of it. Like, he didn't, like, you know, kiss her and then, like, come back away with, like, a piece of pie in his mouth. True, true. Okay, well, I'll, <laughs> that would have uh, been funny. I'll, gi- I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I still think it's dumb. I still, still think it was it was weirdly, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. We can qualify the entire movie with, but it's dumb. Well, but then he was going to take a bite. Would that bite have done it? 
Um, I, See, that's I think the thing. Like, to, where, like we got a haystack like a problem bunch here. Of it. He, I think he was going to start with a bite, but I think he was going to eat a bunch of it. Yeah, but we only had but the figure yeah. of a bite to start with, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But then, but here's the question: Was he? going to kill both Mike and himself or just Mike? I don't know. At that point, maybe he could just like take the rest of the pie and go around and say, hey, uh, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm so much better. Like five or six other people that he wants to murder horribly. Because at that point, like it's like in for a penny, man, you know, like I don't I don't think he had any clear end game on this. He was already just sort of like doing a terrible thing. But at the same time, it seems like the revelation that he had accidentally caused the impending horrible death of his daughter is what drove him to want to kill himself. Uh, so that seems like a change. So he wasn't already thinking specifically about killing himself in a way that we could, you know, make any sense of. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how to read his, his motivations, uh, at the, at, at the end of the film there. Um, I he do calls know a that white doctor from town. Yeah. Okay. So, so we, we we've talked about the gypsy thing, but we haven't really talked about any of the several other really weird, problematic, sort of like sociopolitical things in this movie. And one of them is this feels like a film that is trying to like. Well, it, it is a film that is in the text of it playing very directly with the idea of, uh, you know xenophobia and oppression and systemic, you know, power imbalances in the idea that like, you know, literally the white man from town, you know, the effect that has on, uh, you know, minorities, on disadvantaged people, on outgroups, obviously, you know, the U.S. And, and, you know, Connecticut as an example of this, you know, is very much like this is a place where being white is the advantaged place to be in a really conspicuous way. And so, like, as a story reflecting on the idea of, you know, the curse of the white man from town being sort of like a figure of play on the literal fact of systemic oppression and, and white supremacy, essentially, uh, it could have gone places with that, but it goes nowhere. Like at no point do you get the impression that the film is aware of just how much it's doing this weird bungling job of speaking about but not actually saying anything about this entire subtextual, you know, lake that it's swimming in. Like I don't yeah, feel like yeah, it, it it really just does not in any way a it, it brings up the idea that hey you know what if uh you know white supremacy reigned and like what if you could just kill people and get away with it because you were in the old boys club what then oh uh I don't know here's the story about like you know shooting and also a curse yeah like 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 like. Like the idea that, you know, the notion of a vengeful curse could be some small and, you know, proportionally uh, underpowered response to the larger figure of curse of these, you know, systemic power balances and, and, and oppression that exist. Like at no point during the film did I get the feeling that anybody involved was really thinking, I've got something to say about that. I've got some thoughts on this that I want to express through the power of film. Like it just it just feels like it's sitting there and everybody just keeps walking right past it and saying, <laughs> "Yeah, but yeah, we got to do this. We got to do this makeup effect now." You know, and it's weird cuz like it's I'm not shocked that a film would be sort of like dumb and blasé about this or not think it through, but it's weird in a film that also just literally puts forward those themes as text instead of subtext and then doesn't seem to know that it's, you know, that that's there. Like there's no awareness 
in, in the in the storytelling in the characters again like nope. the, the fact that like there's no there's not even a ham-handed lopsidedness expressed of like you know uh magical you know downtrodden you know gypsies you know getting a really poetical comeuppance or anything the whole thing just feels like a big sort of soggy ham-fisted mess yeah and and <laughs> Nobody even like learns a lesson in a dumb ham-fisted way. It's just like, well, we're we're cursed, because the three three of them are cursed. It's uh, what's his name, uh, and then the judge, and then Mister Kruger from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the the, the, the chief cop, police, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, and then so uh, the judge turns into like a lizard man yeah. because the, the the you know uh, Taddy touches him and then says lizard. And we, we never find out what he says to Mr. Kruger, but he, he just, like, looks like he's got really horrible, like, um... Looks all mutate just like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, all, he's, like, really, really lumpy, um... And, like, apparently in the book, I think he gets, like, horrible, like, you know, inhuman acne or something ah, like that. Okay. But, it, yeah, I don't know what he tells him. The film seems kind of uh, abstract on that front. Yeah. yeah, 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 and we never find out what the word. Like, I was excited at that point. It's like, okay, so we've got thinner makes him thinner. We've got lizard makes him scaly like lizard. And we've got who knows what makes this guy look ugly. Yeah. And and I was, I was disappointed. I got thinking right at that moment once the lizard yeah. revelation came along that what if there was, like, a... a, a TV series loosely based on this where every episode had a different one word gypsy curse and like you know it would coming back around I guess to sort of the outer limits thing uh, you know like like do it like as dumb episodic television yeah I would be a little bit more on board with this uh, yeah and, and and again with the outer limits thing I was going to say with a pie the turnaround in the pie that seems like that that was the thing that clinched it this is definitely a bad episode of outer <laughs> limits like with the ironic twist at the end oh you know uh, other things that this movie does a terrible job of dealing with uh, in a movie about like weight loss as a major theme and that there's like zero interesting or thoughtful handling of the idea of like body issues but it, there's also not like a lot of fat shaming, which was I was I I, I realized like I was just like was this like a really bad idea because this movie is going to be like super super like fat shamey, but it wasn't like I mean people are shitty to him about it, but they're clearly shitty to him. Yeah, and also like the people who are concerned about it aren't concerned with the fact that that you know he's fat. They're concerned with the fact that he's not healthy. Yeah, or that he's struggling to actually you know diet successfully. That is yeah, an interesting the, the, point. There, there's not. It feels like there could have been a whole lot of like, hey, you fucking fatso stuff that doesn't show up at all, which is which is kind of interesting. Um, he does at some point manage to body shame his dead wife at the end which i thought was interesting like one of the last things he mutters to or about her was something about hey she's down to a a, a size six again oh, a size yeah, four yeah. Again. like his wife is totally a skinny very fit pretty woman like there's no there's no way anybody in the film would have been like oh well you know she's carrying a few extra rounds no she was like a she was a pretty skinny lady like there was zero there, so like the fact that he's managing somehow at the end to be the person who's like, you know what this film needs though? It really does need some fucking body shaming. You know yeah. that's when it comes up, which is weird and like at that point, like there's no way we're supposed to be thinking this guy is a good guy. Obviously, he just curse murdered his wife after everything else he's done. But it's also not like some big turn where he's like 
turning out to be shittier than we expected or anything. So it's just like, oh, yeah, let's throw in. And so that's where it shows up. And it is it is an odd thing. You know, like like yeah. the one person like, – like the one person who would have been the target of any weird shitty body shaming if we'd expected it doesn't really get it so much. And then just out of nowhere, we, we <laughs> yeah, yeah, but women, you know, you know how they're obsessed with, uh, you know, their, their, you know, their figure. Uh, so yeah, it's a weird sort of like that. That's how it shows up. Um, there's an extended um, dream sequence in this movie. Oh that yeah, becomes really apparent that it's a dream sequence, and it, and and I just got so bored when I realized that. Yeah, like they 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 stopped making it. You know, like I mean, there's 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 dream sequences like in movies that are supposed to be, you know, like and only at the very end is just like, oh, thank God, it was all a dream. And then there's dream sequences that are really obvious all the way through, and then it's and but it's okay because you know they're in some way like weird or psychedelic, like you know the ones on, um, like on the Sopranos, all the dream sequences there, like you weren't really you you were aware that what you were watching was not like the real world of the movie but it was it was so weird that it was compelling and in this movie they 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 fucked that up they made it pretty clear that it was a that it was a dream sequence about halfway through the sequence and then they just didn't do anything interesting with it yep or you know like the the weirdest thing that happens is that like um so uh, how does it so he's at he's he, at a he, carnival he, yeah, he tracks find, him down to a carnival he finds a poster for a carnival he goes to the carnival he finds uh Carrie Wurr and uh, old Grandpa Lemke uh, sitting on stage, and old Grandpa Lemke is like maybe doing like he's doing guess your weight, right, right. And so he and immediately he, starts chewing up scenery about how he doesn't even need to, you know, he doesn't. He, he, yeah, the guy doesn't need to to, to step on a scale because he knows that he weighs like one five two now, and tomorrow it'll be one four eight, and then the next day we don't want to think about the next day, do we? Yeah, uh, and then. Um, does he run away? Um, I, I think I think maybe Gina starts throwing something. Oh, Gina, Gina pulls oh, she down. Chasing him with the, well, the uh, there's the doll. Chasing him with the sling. Oh, the dolls. This is this yeah. is this is the one thing I kind of liked about that dream sequence was they had made dolls of uh, the various dif- disfigured, cursed, uh, corrupt white men. And that's the moment you know it's a dream sequence because there's only like three different kinds of dolls. There's <laughs> you know him. There's the the judge, and then there's the police chief, and there's just the three of them, yeah, uh, hanging up like as prizes, and they're really well made dolls. Too. Yeah, they the were, dolls, like, really the dolls creepy. were good. Um, and and yeah, and then she chases him out of there with the uh, with her slingshot, and then that's when the judge picks him up. Yes, is that, is the judge that pulls up, all, looking all lizardly, and says, "Get in the car!" And Carrie yeah, breaks and a window. Was that CGI with or was that like was that practical? That because I think I that, that, that might have been CGI. Was it? I don't know. I thought I thought it was practical, and they just glued a bunch of shit to his face, and it some of it be. not super it was, well. I, I, they did a pretty good job on that. If that was what that yeah, no, was he, he looked gross. It was nice. Yeah, and then he ends up like he turns out that he's crazy, and like the they end up like uh, going head to head against a a truck. That somehow magically by, old man Lemke has gotten into yeah. and is driving from across town. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is. Yeah, and then the judge is like, he doesn't let uh, what's his name get out, and then he just sort of like lets the truck T-bone him, and then another truck comes from the other way, and that one's being <laughs> driven by Lemke too, and then he wakes up. 
And then it turns out, uh, you know, after he wakes up, it turns out that the judge was out driving and got uh, smashed by a truck. Or or drove into a fuel truck. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Was, like, like, is the implication that the judge drove into a fuel truck on purpose? Because, like... I think so because that's what happened in the dream. He definitely drove into that truck yeah. on purpose in the dream. That, it seems like a it seems like a shitty way to try and commit suicide. Is all I'm thinking. Yep. But then he's talking. So 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 our our hero is talking to the judge's wife, who in a previous scene has been established to be sort of like nutso about the whole situation. Anyway, uh, gave him a drink and then got herself another drink, which is good, so that she'd have that to throw in his face later when they had a big argument. Um, she she on the phone. You know, she relays that the judge drove into a fuel truck and then says this thing about like, well, worked out well for him because he always wanted to be cremated. And yeah, I was watching, was... yeah, it was, a, it was a dumb line, but I was watching this with Angela last night and, and I think she's right on that this lady probably was using that line all fucking day. Like everybody she talked to, she's like, <laughs> finally, I've got something witty to say about my dumb dead husband. Ha ha. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like that was the, like that that was like a brief moment when the movie just straight up descended into camp. The you know the the cremated line. Yeah. Well, and there um, were, you know, and there's there's a few like over the top lines that just don't they don't sit well with the film if the film was trying to be good, but if the film had been trying to be something more overtly nutty, would have been like just perfect. I mean, a lot of his lines, uh, Wallace. Was, God damn it! I Halleck. do not remember the, the name of either the main <laughs> character or the actor that plays. Yes, um, Billy Halleck. Billy Halleck. Yeah, uh, uh, he 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 does like deliver a lot of really weird lines while doing like the Kubrick stare. Um, and I don't remember any of them because they were just they they were just memorable enough to, for me to remember that they were good. One, and not one, enough. One of his um, one of his late lines in the film is "Get an evens." Also, what it's all about, you bitch. Uh, <laughs> which I don't even like. That had to be a callback to some other line, but I don't know what that line was because it wasn't memorable. So instead, this is just like oh, yeah, a really yeah, that, conspicuous it was a complete line. non sequitur. Yeah, because somebody said something to him right beforehand, and he replies with that, but that is in no way a reply to whatever was said to him. Yeah, may- maybe maybe early in the film, you know, being healthy is what it's all about is something she said to him or something. Who knows? Because yeah. like, yeah, I certainly don't remember. So I was like, yeah, she's got that line early on. His wife about you know what are you trying to do to me with these terrible smoothies uh, or whatever, and you know it's the same thing I was you know doing in the backseat of your car all those years ago, proving my love to you. Yeah, they uh, said that like right in front of their their daughter. Yeah, which was yeah. the daughter, by the way, a fucking emotional roller coaster of like it seems like for the first half of this film, this daughter would be not you know, you know nothing would make her happier than her dad actually just fucking dying. Like she she has no nice expressions. She seems to really actively dislike him. Uh, I guess maybe there's a moral disapproval of his legal work. But it's not like, you know, we don't get anything out of the daughter. We just get a bunch of glowers and gloomy teenager stuff. And then later in the film, she's just like the happiest, most loving daughter ever, just in time to be, you know, killed by cursed pie. Yep. And it's it's like, uh, what is the, the film doesn't do enough with that character to have a reason for us to have a roller coaster with that character. Uh, the sexual politics of this film are really weird. Like, not that there's a lot of it, but basically there's mostly his relationship with his wife and then the uh, is it or isn't it cuckolding side plot. And the thing is, he gets 
kind of shitty at her about having given him a blowjob, which is what causes the whole accident. So they're driving along, yeah. and and she starts uh, touching him and then giving him a blowjob while he's driving along in the car. Uh, and then he's distracted, and that's why he ends up hitting the old lady, and that's why the curse happens and whatnot. Um, but it's here's the thing: he ends up sort of blaming her as the not just like being partly responsible, but also not being cursed, even though she was, you know, part of the causal chain of events that led to the cursing happening. Right. It's really unclear to me whether we were supposed to think that he was being particularly mean about that. Like, I don't know if the film I wanted us to think that he was think, being gross and unreasonable or if there was actual, actually some merit to the idea that, well, you gave a blowjob, which is a terrible, horror thing to do, so you deserve to die as well. Like, I really don't know that the film wasn't trying to say that, essentially, with his character. I can't tell, but I don't want that to be true. I don't either, but... Like, can we make a defense of this film that seems coherent that that isn't I mean, true, you the, know? the movie doesn't seem to go out of its way to be sexist enough that I think it would be justified. Because, I mean, there's, like, you know, some relatively, like, sexist stuff in this movie for what it is, which is a horror movie from the 90s, but it's not, like, it doesn't... it. It, I mean, like, the women characters in the movie, they're not treated great, but it's also not in a justified way, which is why I don't... I think we're supposed to sympathize with the wife, which is also why I think they left the whole cuckolding thing ambiguous, was because we're... I, I think we're supposed to acknowledge the fact that it's just him that's crazy and everybody else is trying to look out for him and then he murders them but the and like time, that's the true like horror story part of it yeah but it doesn't do a good job of communicating that either that's that's the thing it's hard to give it credit for that because i feel like if the film really wanted to play with the idea that he was boxing at shadows but wanted to let it be sort of ambiguous it could have done so in a way where it collapsed some of that ambiguity later in the film Whereas all the way through the film, it keeps giving us this like, yeah, but maybe they really are fucking around behind his back sort of thing. So it's not like there's a clear realization that, oh, oh, this was, you know, this th- this guy, you know, imagining things and doing terrible things because of that. It's more like, oh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, but, but, but it killed her now. So, okay. You know, it's. It doesn't. It doesn't track that line in an interesting way. It doesn't offer anything to really chew on. It just says, "Hey, we maybe maybe we won't tell you. Maybe they were. Maybe they won't. Everything you see suggests that they were, but at the same time, we don't quite show you enough. So maybe they weren't." Yeah, you know, it's like I don't it, know. It, it, it's, it's a badly told, you know, campfire story as far as it goes. Uh, he does at one point sass her about blowjobs, which is sort of weird. Like it's presented as some sort of like nasty soap opera dialogue exchange. Uh, I don't even remember exactly what the context was, but something about uh, them talking and her not knowing something or not being sure about something. And he says something about, well, maybe maybe I was just giving myself a blowjob right there. And then she says, that's a horrible thing to say. And the way it's framed in the film, it feels like, that's her protesting because that was a deep cut or something. But it actually just seemed like a legitimately weird, horrible thing to say. Like, I don't know that 
it, 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 it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to say for sure. The film is is messy with so many things that it's not weird. That's messy with this, but I really don't feel like it like deserves the benefit of the doubt on some of the weird stuff there because like there's nothing to earn that benefit of the doubt. Like it doesn't like suggest that it has any sort of strong, thoughtful take on the weird bullshit its characters do. I guess it's worth. Yes. And I'm not going to sit down and watch it again to find out. So really? I, just, I was actually watching this being like, I could probably watch this movie again just like as an entered, weirdly entertaining horror movie. I, I could. So I really I – didn't, I didn't think it was a good movie. Like, uh, you know, full stop. Like, that's, that's, that's my one sentence take I didn't think it was a good movie. I thought it was entertaining and watchable. I Which guess. is a lot more than you can say about like a lot of movies. I really, I, I was, I was working to get through it. Uh, like we, I, I thought, it, I thought it was going weirdly fast in the first like twenty minutes, and it kind of does. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It just it zooms along and then it slows down. But as a result, like you know, I, I paused at some point twenty minutes in. It's like, wow, this is they're sort of flying through this. Uh, and then I paused at some point later, like forty five minutes in, and me and my wife were both like, oh Jesus, we're only halfway done. <laughs> you know, and some other weird, odd. Who knew why they were doing that? Changes take on. You know, it keeps going. It's not. It's not the most dragging thing I've ever sat through or anything like that. But I really, yeah, no. I, I, I think I came away with a much less positive impression of this, even as just sort of a thing to watch and be vaguely entertained by than you did. I, I think when I started watching this movie at like eleven o'clock at night, um, and I remember I turned it on and just like I was briefly like, uh, wait, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so I was briefly um, – I was just like, oh, no, am I going to like – is this movie going to be like two and a half hours long? And, and I paused it just to see how long it was. It's like, nope, it is uh, 83 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even, hit an, doesn't even hit an hour and a half. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's nice and compact. Uh, Interesting. It's paced poorly for the entire second half of it, I'd say. I, I I feel like it was paced poorly for the entire film, just differently poorly. Like like <laughs> seriously, like, like the too opening fast twenty and then too slow. Yeah, like the opening twenty minutes of this like cover what should have been probably like you know a, a, an act and then some in terms of it, which I realize for an eighty three minute movie you know twenty minutes is close to an act, but but yeah no it really feels like like the movie gets going by introducing this character clumsily suggesting that he's a really great if you know sort of vicious lawyer willing to work for someone he knows is dirty establishes that uh he's yes indeed out of weight trying to diet everybody knows he's trying to diet he's lying to his wife about his eating uh he uh is unhealthy he is a little bit crooked and so are other people in town. Uh, and then, you know, like they have the dinner, they're coming back, the blowjob, the, the hitting the old lady, the inquest. It gets through this stuff pretty quickly in a way that feels like, you know, and, and then we get to the weight loss and the weight loss goes from, hey, I'm losing some weight and that's great. Everybody's proud of me to, you know, fortunately, relatively quickly, oh, maybe there's something wrong with losing weight this fast. But all that, like that, that was like 20 minutes maybe. Like that whole thing, like yeah. there, there's no, like I feel like the story could have started by really just establishing more interesting and detailed characters in the setup for the big terrible thing with the accidentally killing the lady and then the curse happening and then sort of slow played the dawning realization of horror as the weight loss thing perpetuated and then sort of wrapped it up in the third act. But instead I feel like it handled all that up until like 
trying to really do something about it, like in the first 40 minutes, and then he's on a you know jaunt around the country to try and find the 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 gypsies to uncurse him for the rest of the film, and that's where we end up with like the yeah uh, Fat Tony's little sidebar thing for being a you know mob enforcer for 10 15 minutes while the main character disappears yeah just it just felt really really weirdly laid out time wise to me and pacing wise yep that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah this movie this movie it uh yeah i've yeah but so running man I feel like I should have watched Running Man because I feel like we should talk about this a little bit. Uh, I haven't seen it in several years, I think. Yeah, but you've seen it. I mean, uh, anybody else has seen it. it, It's it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger film in which Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, plays the protagonist who is a contestant on a dystopian future reality television show. But he's also like a a rebel double agent because there's this entire framing device in the movie about like – like an oppressed populace, and like this game show figures into it. Like it's it's like a Hunger Games sort of thing. Yeah. Where like at the end he wins the game show, but then he also like starts the revolution. Yeah. Now the the thing about the Running Man is it's another Bachman book from the same crop as Thinner, and uh, it is a sort of dark, grim story about a guy who goes on this reality TV show. He he manages to infiltrate it, and he. He goes on it and he he runs, you know. He's he's presented, you know, basically trying to escape the inevitable capture and death by the game show's agents. Uh, and then there's a big sort of thing where he's actually trying to do something terrible uh, to the system itself in the end. Uh, but other than that, has nothing to do with the movie they made. Like. Nothing like that general plot arc and characterization is there, and that's it. Like the Arnold Schwarzenegger film is this weird, goofy spandex-filled uh, smash TV thing that like is completely like unmoored from the story in terms of like tone and characterization and uh, plot direction and whatnot. Uh, the book, for example, uh, ends instead of with him triumphantly launching the revolution after making his way through the TV set and back to confront the host or whatever, uh, I think is roughly how it goes in the movie with a lot of quipping along the way and some really goofy costumes for uh, the, the villains uh, in the book. He goes on the run uh, desperately like moving from place to place out in the world at large, you know, becoming injured. Eventually he manages to, uh, get on, I don't remember exactly how, a uh, an airplane, like a 747 or something, uh, and fights his way very doomedly into the cockpit, like trailing his entrails behind him up the aisle and drives, like flies the plane into the the building in which the, the show's studio is, <laughs> you know, you know, this is this is a fair. So, like this this dying man, his entrails hanging out, suicides into the side of a building with an airplane. Versus Arnold Schwarzenegger launches the revolution in his spandex outfit. <laughs> like totally, completely, completely different things. Totally, uh, and I liked the story. Like I read the story, and and I read the story before I saw the movie. And I saw the movie at some point. I was like, oh my god, what the fuck is going on here? 
and yet, for all that, and as much as I will give Running Man the film shit for being so terrible, I would be more interested in watching The Running Man again than ever watching this movie again. <laughs> like it, it, it fails utterly to do what this film probably did to a fault, which is be an adaptation really directly of the Stephen King story underlying it. But it's definitely, I think it's it's definitely a more fun, goofy thing to just watch for being whatever the fuck it is than this thing was. Is a weird sort of way I want to put them side by side. But then again, I haven't watched it recently, so if I watch it again, you know, maybe I'll I be think it's super fucking annoyed again. Well, let's not do an episode for it, but maybe maybe I'll just watch. No. It. Yeah, just just watch it again. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so that's like that's sort of putting these side by side. I think you know the other two Bachman books. One was Apt Pupil, I want to say, and they made a film of that a while back, where a kid sort of which one Apt Pupil? Yeah, some, yeah. Some some uh, kid gets to know uh, old uh, Nazi, and criminal. things happen. Something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they definitely made a movie out of that. And then I think the fourth one was The Long Walk, which is sort of like a marathon walk-to-death competition where the last person standing after a days-long nonstop walk wins. I don't know if they ever made a film of that. That one was that one creeped me the fuck out. That was a good story. Uh, I remember was when it, I read it, it. Isn't there some sort of a contest where everybody has to touch a Jeep and the last person to touch the Jeep <laughs> there is. Uh, wins that, it? That is a real thing, yes. I so think they, that, they made a documentary about that, so let's assume that's just the adaptation. <laughs> I think that's Last Man Standing. Uh, might be the the name of that, uh, but anyway, not not the apparently Tim Allen uh, American sitcom from ABC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. A- anyway, uh, bit, bit 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 of a diversion, but uh, I don't really have anything else to say about this film. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm 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 pretty okay with uh, leaving it off here. Um, I do want to say I there was just people watch it. You would not. <laughs> I don't. I don't think this is the worst thing you could do with your time. But I don't think anybody's going to come away from this thinking that was a good film that was really worth my time either. Like it's it's right in that weird soggy. If you want to watch a movie that's not really great but has some interestingly bad things about it, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Like it's it's no it's no Tommy Wiseau's The Room in terms of quality on that front. But there's some stuff that's at least memorably sort of bumpy. I guess. And the pie is pretty good. You know, maybe just someone should make a 10 hour loop of the pie and put it on YouTube. I'd be okay with pie that. Now. We did not curse pie, but I don't, I don't know if we actually, we've, we've said her name and we've referred to a bunch, but, but I don't know if we very clearly declared, cause it's been a while since we've seen Carrie were in anything, but Carrie were Gina, the, the young gypsy girl, uh, is totally from, you know, Prophecy four and five, and from Hellraiser Debtor, she was like, yeah, she, yeah, no, that's that's oh. her, that's Carrie huh. Word. So that's why she looks so familiar. Yeah, I was so excited, and then and then she was terrible in this. She was. She was really she bad. Was possibly the worst actor in the movie. Yeah. What? And and again, like, I don't want to say that like it's because she's bad because she was better in films elsewhere so i kind of feel like she was given this and directed this and this is what happened but it was bad it was real bad but she also had that hunk of a husband who unfortunately we didn't get anything from except for a couple shots and then him getting murdered his name was gabe gabe spelled gabe yeah there's there's a there's a shot there was a photo earlier on somewhere in it of him juggling and he's like juggling with his shirt off the dude is ripped yeah, uh, but then we see him in a couple shots later, sort of hanging around with her, and then he gets shot to death after being, you know, uh, knocked out and tied up by uh, Fat Tony. Uh, but there's also something in the timing of the scenes with Frank Spurton 
showing up. Frank Spurton. It's Frank Spurton that that I and then I think Frank maybe went poking around or something and was confronted by them or something. Uh, I'm not- I, I think they they I, I think they realized that he was their lookout and then they murdered him. Ah, okay, yeah, because I, I didn't stuck, make- they they ripped out his eyes and they stuck. Oh, the, right, right. That's what happened. The head of a rooster in his and, mouth. And Fat Tony says he was a mook, but he was my mook. Uh, which again, that guy got kind of okay dumb throwaway lines. Um, but I, I I have the theory that there's a deleted scene in there between them finding him and them murdering him and sticking a rooster in his mouth where they just had a threesome. I think there was there was like you know that's the porn version of the film is the exact same film but also with a five minute uh, sex scene in there with those three. I'm okay uh, with that. Uh, I did make a note at one point when uh, Carrie Wurr gets shoved into a ladder in the barn or shed or whatever by uh, Fat Tony. I, I wrote she just got a mob style runging. Uh, I felt pretty good about that. Oh yeah, uh, Fat Tony carrying around a fake jar of acid and, and a, a real jar, jar of acid. <laughs> that was a that was that was quite a thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the big reveal is that he's got a second jar on him. So yeah, what happens is that he they they basically like he poses as a cop and he gets Gina to follow him into like a barn or something. And then he pulls out this, like, little mason jar of, like, you know, white liquid, and then he throws it in her face, and he says, uh, that's acid, bitch. Um, and then it cuts, and then it cuts back, and then he's just like, haha, you just got a uh, face full of, uh, what, what was it? Like, cleaning uh, fluid and baking soda? Like, ba- baking soda, like, yeah, like, 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 like soda pop and something. Yeah, soda, soda pop water. and baking soda, or, or, or something like that. And then he gets this, and then, you know, she she's about to attack him, and then he throws her, he smacks her oh no he just sort of like toss him off or smacks her head against the ladder yeah and she gets like a head wound falls back down i'm just like oh is this like the movie gonna like take like another turn now where like they accidentally killed her and now there's <laughs> things are gonna go really bad it's like nope that's nope. not what happened at all she just has a head injury and then he's just like and then he's sort of like um i i, I guess you know pins her down then he takes this other jar out of like much fuller jar of black liquid and then he pours some next to her, and it's clearly real ass. And then he puts it like on top of her head, and then they get away while she's like trying very slowly to uh, remove it without spilling it on herself. Uh, which, hey, I thought was a pretty good scene. But also, yeah, he's carrying around a fake jar of acid and like a much more perilously full full jar of acid. Yeah, in a, the in, a, in a glass beaker, you know. Yeah, so yeah, you you think the. You think you'd put more of the, the the fake one in there, and then just like just enough of the real one to do the job, and not to like fall and kill you, or you know burn your feet off if you drop it. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that whole I'm scene. I'm not I Richie the Hammer, so yeah. he, he knows what he's doing. Uh, do we ever find out what happened to him? Uh, the synopsis nope. I read of the book suggests that like it, they they killed him, but he just sort of we disappears from the film. I think so. He just he gets to show up. Do some terrible things and then disappear again. I guess is the way the name. Yeah, yeah, he does all that bad stuff and then, um, and then what's his name has to sit down with Lemke. With yeah, the and then pie. that's it. And, and, yeah. and Richie's out. Richie's back to his yacht. So I guess they're just even. I also want to note one other thing. Uh, the uh, well, two other things. One, uh, Billy Halleck at one point angrily throws a chicken. Uh, like a, like a he chicken does. carcass. He's eating. He's eating a. He you know. does. He was like very Kevin Spacey, American Beauty. But, yeah, um, <laughs> but less so. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> and then and then when uh, the the judge's wife is relaying this whole thing with the lizard thing, she actually shouts, "It's evolution in reverse," which made me think of every bad Star Trek: The Ep- Next Generation episode that involved evolution in reverse. Oh, there was a Voyager one like that too. Yes, where, there was. Where Paris goes to warp ten and uh, starts devolving. Yeah, yeah. There a couple of cast members, Paris and and someone else, end up devolving into lizards. And I don't remember. Maybe it was implied that they even made it as lizards, but I don't know. And then everything's okay. But there was also a Next Generation episode, I want to say, where people were sort of quasi-regressing or something. And like Picard turned into like a scared monkey. Like not literally into a monkey, but like I think that was his thing was like some of that human, you know, primate DNA was driving him into more of a, a, a... uh, a fight or flight uh, monkey mode or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's evolution right. reverse is is what it is. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, that was that was that movie. That was a movie that we watched, and uh, yeah, we should. I hope everybody enjoyed <laughs> this podcast more than I enjoyed that film. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, we should, uh, ma- do you think we should do like a Christmas themed movie? Should we go see Krampus? Um, uh, when's that coming out? Uh, it's, is it out? I, I assume it's coming out for Christmas. Let's find out. Uh, or, you know, I mean, there, there are so a number I was hoping of- to get an episode in before Christmas. Uh, maybe we could probably pull that off. What is it today? The sixth? Yeah, we could, we could probably figure that out. Um, usually we discuss this stuff off. Yeah, but I just I figured for, let's throw him a little teaser. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know when the fuck it comes out. What? How hard can it be to find? Oh, it, a, it's already got a box office totals. Oh, it, it came out today. Oh, yesterday? okay. Two days ago. Well, all right then. Well, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. yeah maybe let's, let's maybe we'll do see it. Krampus. Uh, we'll just say yeah. it right here and now. We'll we'll do Krampus at some point here. Uh, Adam Scott, Tony Collette. Yeah, you know, I, I expect to be disappointed by this film is what I expect. Like, I, I expect I'll both have a good time and also be kind of like, ah, I love Adam Scott. I don't know if this is a great role for Adam Scott based on the trailer. Like, I've I would not love- seen Adam Scott in anything but GIFs. Well, have you, Parks and Rec? I've never – I've, oh, I've really? tried watching Parks and Rec and it just didn't take. Uh, I, I, I loved it and he was great in it. Um I'm 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 more, I'm more excited about this film that I expect not to be great and to be a disappointing role for this guy like that I haven't watched than I am about the the movie we actually <laughs> watched and discussed is is really where I am on this. Um yeah, I don't know. We'll 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 figure it out. Maybe I I think Krampus might fit in here somewhere. Um yep. It it would still probably be our last episode of the year even if we're doing it before Christmas, so you know, it might still yeah. work either way. Uh <laughs> Well, uh, keep on uh, eating those large meals and losing weight. Uh, is our <laughs> new motto. That it's not very snappy, is it? We gotta, we gotta keep. It's also about that. revenge. Wait, getting even. <sighs> Damn it! Yeah. Fuck the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, so did the film. Uh, pretty much for every line. So, also, I think Stephen King's pharmacist character was named Mister Banger. After, uh, yeah, it was, after yeah, after Banger, Banger Maine. Maine. Yep. So there you go. That's where he's from. There's your fun fact. All right. It's not very fun. <laughs> let's let's get the fuck Good night, out of everybody. here. Good night. Good night.